all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. You can follow us at All Bad Things Pod on all your favorite social meds. Mm-hmm. Twitter, now X. Yes. Facebook. Yes. Insta. Yes. Other things. TikTok. There you go. Threads. Blue Sky. Blue Sky. Or Blue, or blue Ski. Blue Ski. <laughs> <laughs> and you can definitely follow us at our discussion group on Facebook. <laughs> yes. Join. Join our, dis- our Discord, our Facebook discussion group, our subreddit, mm-hmm. and you can email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Yes. Do all, Do all of those, those things. things. <laughs> <laughs> so what have we in store today? A listener script. Another one. Indeed. It's been a whole... Which could, um... only, which could only mean one thing. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't write one. Yes. Um, it's a full, what, 14 hours since we last recorded? Is it? What time is it? Yeah, I guess it is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, not a midnight recording. And, oops. Afternoon recording. Mid-afternoon recording. <laughs> instead of midnight. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um... Another excellent listener script last night that we did, which yes. will come out, I think, what, a week from tomorrow. Yes. It'll come out September 4th. 4th. Which I thought about it, and I was like, oh, that one should have come out on September 11th. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we can still change it, I guess. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> For, well, Iraq had nothing to do with September 11th, though. That's, so. well. Hint, hint. Ultimately, yeah. <laughs> if you no. Did, if, you, if you didn't listen to last yeah, week's. Yeah, there you go. Now you're wondering. But yes, we have a, a new... Fresh listener scripts. And this one's from Steven. Ah, Frequent contributor yes, Steven. Absolutely. So this is the capitalist airship and the socialist airship. Or it's the people that's the problem, not the system. I I'm unsure of that, Stephen. Yeah, okay. This will be interesting. But let's hear. We'll, yes. we'll hear you out. We will hear you out. So Stephen's sources are Wikipedia, the book. Airship on a Shoestring, the story of R100 by John Anderson, and also the book Fatal Flight, the true story of Britain's last great airship by Bill Hammack. So when people think about airships, they tend to think of Germany's Zeppelins. That's exactly Mm -hmm. what I think of. Same. Um, At the end of the First World War, the British had built a large fleet of airships as well. Some of them were non-rigid blimp. But three were rigid airships. I don't. I think we went into that when we in the Hindenburg episode. Yeah, there is a difference, and I can't remember what it is at this point. Maybe I'll go into it. Um, They had proved very useful in helping spot U-boats. Oh, sure. Yeah. There were plans to build many more large rigid ships that were made redundant because the war ended. Yeah. Well, yeah. Bummer. (laughs) (laughs) World War I came to an end. What are we going to do now? Oh, that's right. Uh, Gear up for World War II. Yeah. Well, wait, this was the war to end all wars. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's right. Um, Oh, I think I need one sentence off that last page. There we go. Um, 
Oh, okay. Here we go. No, you need a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you need a lot more. The cost of keeping the airships R-32, R-33, and R-34 in working order were very expensive in comparison to airplanes, I'm sure. Now, this is British airships, right? Correct. Okay. Planes were far less effective for patrolling long distances, but the war was over and the money was needed elsewhere. Mm. These ships had wooden frames. The R-32 was a very successful airship, but the cost of maintaining it uh, wooden frame ship airships didn't make sense in peacetime uh. and it was dismantled in 1921 the r33 was in service for 10 years before being retired but the r34 crashed into a hill due to a navigational error and two of her four propellers were torn off uh. yeah while the damage was extensive amazingly she managed to keep flying she headed back out to sea but with just two working propellers and a headwind she struggled to get back to her hangar the crew tied the ship down for the night, but she was damaged beyond repair during the night. Mm. With the war over, it wasn't worth preparing. Yeah. The R-80 was completed too late to be used in the First World War. Mm -hmm. There were plans to modi modify her for passenger service, but she was just too small. She was used for training, but before being scrapped in 1925. The British use of wood for the airship's frames limited the size of the ships and made the cost of maintenance too high to be practical. By the 1920s, the only way to travel long distance around the British Empire was by train and boat. Planes were still too primitive for anything other than short hops. For example, traveling from England to America had to be by a steamer, steamship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, to get from England to India was far more involved, oh, I can yeah. only imagine. Airplanes were able to do the job, but because they had to stop and refuel, yeah. they took as long as a steamship and were cramped and far less comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean... Well, so, so one of my coworkers, uh, she's from India, and mm -hmm. she's been in India for the past 10 days, and I was just mm. like, what does it take to get to India? From and, and we're North talking, Carolina, We're yeah. talking in 2023. Yeah. Imagine trying to get to fucking <laughs> India in 1920 from well, here. But this is this is from England they're talking <laughs> no, about. No, I'm, right? I'm just saying. You just, just to, in general. Yes. Um, how much travel has changed. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And it's Pretty still... much specifically because of the airplane. Yes, uh-huh, yeah. And still, to get halfway around the world... Still is takes a, a lot of time. Is, yes, very time-consuming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not as much as it was back in this time. Certainly not. Certainly not. Nothing Everything's was. relative. <laughs> yes. But by today's standards, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if we want to go visit our friends in New Zealand and Australia, it's going to take like us Like our a, friend Stephen. It's going to take us a while to get there. Yes. And, uh, well, yeah, one of these days, maybe. Maybe we'll see mm -hmm. I'm definitely going someday. Okay. So you, you're welcome to come with me. Okay. <laughs> so to get to England, uh, to get from England to India was far more involved, as mm -hmm. I was just saying. Um, and the future of heavier than air aircraft seemed to be with flying boats. Hmm. These huge aircraft needed lots of room to take off and land. Hmm. Planning for the Dornier Do 10 started in 1924, and the first aircraft was completed in 1929. The flying boat needed 12 engines to lift itself off the water. The 12 engines only produced 524 oh, okay. horsepower each, and the Dornier, uh, I think that's how, Dornier, struggled to reach 425 meters, or 1,394 feet high. It had a range of just 1,700 kilometers, or 1,100 miles, which is... <laughs> It's not I guess for back then, no. <laughs> for back then, it's probably not bad, but no. It's not getting you... Uh, not getting it from England it, to India. No. So airships looked like a far better option for long-distance travel. Mm -hmm. In 1917, the LZ-104 had flown 6,800 kilometers, or 4,200 miles, in a bombing raid. 
The distance from London to Delhi is 6,704 kilometers, so it seemed obvious to the British government that the future of long-distance air travel lay with airships. While airships were more expensive to build, they could travel further with less stops to refuel and were far more comfortable for passengers who could get up and move around during the flight. That's Uh kind of the cool thing that I've always thought about, like... It's you're essentially like in a giant room, in in these old airships. Yeah. Instead of um, instead of in a seat cramped with aisles. Yeah. You know, it was just like, mm-hmm. oh, we're we're taking off. We can get up and go to the observation deck. Yeah. Uh huh. You know, which I'm sure. I was, remember that from the Hindenburg. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm sure was pretty cool. Yeah. Because I mean, you didn't even really have aerial photographs back then. Yeah. Not, mm-hmm. I mean, you did, but they were. So pixelated back then, like, right. how could anybody tell, like, <laughs> like, oh, that's the Statue of Liberty, oh, really? That looks like a bunch of dots. <laughs> okay. But, but yeah, to get out there yourself and just mm-hmm. be like, like, wow, I'm up in the sky. Do you recall what altitude these airships flew? I, I, I have no idea. Like, I don't think very it's high. It's not as high, because no. they didn't have pressurized cabins, Correct. right? Okay. So it wouldn't have been nearly as high as aircraft. I don't think they did. No, I don't think they did. Okay. I think that was part of the reason, yeah. And at this time, you didn't really have to fly that high, because you weren't going to hit anything. That's true. Air traffic like, <laughs> was a lot different, yes. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. You weren't even going to hit, like, a radio tower or anything uh-huh. like that. I mean, uh-huh. it's... But, yeah. Yeah, so I don't think they flew... Well, in the Hindenburg... Uh-huh. I remember this now. Um, something about it had to turn around in New York okay. to be able to dock. Okay. And so they decided to like fly over New York City, mm-hmm. and it was like a spectacle. So it, it, was it wasn't that right from the yeah. ground. So uh-huh. the, yeah, so they they didn't fly, maybe a thousand feet high, maybe if I remember. I don't know. I did that talking about an episode from a long that time ago. That was a long time ago. <laughs> So yeah, so I yeah, as far as the as as far as their altitude, I don't I don't think they're very high up. Okay. Um in nineteen twenty-three, uh Vickers suggested to the conservative government in power at the time that they build six airships. Okay. Before a decision on the proposal was finalized, a labor coalition government came into power. Yeah, uh-huh. that happens a lot. <laughs> the new administration had reservations about using private companies on such a big project. Mm-hmm. They felt that a nonprofit organization must be able to build a better airship than a private company that was only motivated by financial gain. Rather than choose between the two options, they decided to let Vickers build one and to build another one using the Royal Airship Works. Both airships were expected to carry 100 people in comfort. Oh. Okay. The Royal Airship Works designed and built the R-101, known as the Socialist Airship. (laughs) The R-100 built by Vickers was referred to as the Capitalist Airship. Okay, so one is being built by private enterprise mm -hmm. and one's being built by public works. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we'll see, I guess. Well, I mean... Based on the title. <laughs> they both, something bad happens to both of them is yeah. my guess. <laughs> the politicians thought that the two teams would be friendly rivals and share ideas. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, human nature doesn't work that way, and they kept their ideas secret as much as possible. Yeah. I so. <laughs> Especially the private. Yes. Yeah, it's <laughs> private business for a reason. Yes. Yeah. It's like, here's what we did today. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're not just going to freely give out that information. Right. You know. It seems strange to us today that the use of hydrogen was not really considered a big risk to airships. Yeah. And it had been used in airships by both sides in the First World War, and the gas had proved far harder to set alight when aircraft had tried to shoot them down. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. 
Special ammunition had been developed for the job, but the British had found fighting the Zeppelins bombing London quite a challenge. Mm. I get to play that mission in a video game, actually. That that was in uh, that... Oh... That, what was the... Battlefield 1. Battlefield yeah, 1. I remember, I I remember, remember when you did it, yeah. Yeah, that's really one of the most fun gameplay experiences I've ever had, was trying to shoot down a uh, Zeppelin over London. Hmm. It was fun. Check that <laughs> it's out. It was fun to yeah. shoot down Zeppelins over, over London. London. Yes, absolutely. Check it out on uh, YouTube. I'm sure, I'm sure mm-hmm. they have the game play on there. Right, sure. Um, so special ammunition had been developed for right. the job. And helium wasn't a viable option as it was only produced in the USA and was very expensive to produce and ship. I didn't realize I, I, that was interesting that it was only produced in the yeah, States. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Huh. An airship that used helium would need to be far bigger to carry the extra airbags needed for lift. At, uh. a, at a 70th of the price of helium, hydrogen was also cheaper and, cheaper and easier to produce. Yeah. These airships were intended to fly far lower, no more than 2,000 feet. Okay, okay there we so go. Was, Thank you, Stephen. Answer I thought I remembered that. So a little less than half a mile, like a third of a mile, basically, in the yeah, sky. Yeah, close to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to 35,000 feet. Right, yeah, as opposed to like going halfway up into the atmosphere. Right. Um, so the airships were intended to fly, fly far lower than the Zeppelins and British airships used in the war. This is because they didn't have to avoid fixed-wing aircraft trying to shoot them down. Good point. Mm. <laughs> Just a completely different usage. Yeah, okay, yeah. I gotcha. Well, a completely different voyage. Like, yes. you're, you're not mm-hmm. going through a... War zone. Like we learned in uh, the episode we did last night, which was coming out September 4th, is, you know, sometimes going through a war zone... Can be dangerous. <laughs> sometimes. Some, living in a war zone can be dangerous sometimes, too. Um, so this made things more pleasant for the passengers, but it meant that the ships needed to be very precise in their ability to hold a steady height. Okay. Hmm. Both airships chose, uh, OX and ox intestines. Oh, okay. For the gas bags. This o- was... Ox intestines. Yes. Oh, the intestines yeah. of, of an, an ox. ox. Okay. Yes. This was standard on all airships at this time. Hmm. Varnish silk was far too heavy, rubber couldn't contain the gas molecules, and the and the intestines were cheap, lightweight, and flexible. Huh. Interesting. Well, intest- intestines would be flexible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this... I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. They've used, um, like, intestines and stomachs and stuff. Oh, for all sorts yes. of things. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, yeah. For millennia. Mm-hmm. Both teams used glue to join the pieces together. Other countries sewed the intestines, but hydrogen was more likely to leak through the stitches and sewing the pieces uh. together took skilled labor. The gas bags still leak hydrogen, but the English system was the best available at the time. Huh. So leaks in airbags could be found quite easily. The riggers would sing while they were working on the bags. If the pitch of their voices raised, they knew that the hydrogen was escaping. Oh, because That's, it would yeah. it's like helium. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Leaking gas wasn't toxic, but there was a real risk it could asphyxiate a crew member, sure. Mm. The raw oxen entrails had to be packed with salt and shipped to England from Argentina. The area smelled like a slaughterhouse when the boxes were first opened. First the fat had to be scraped from the intestines, and then they were soaked overnight to loosen anything that had been missed, and then they needed to be scraped again. The finished substrate had to be glued together into sheets before it could be used for the gas bags. The intestines from one ox produced one square foot of material. Oh, About wow. 30,000 square feet was needed for the airbags. So they had to kill thousands uh, of oxen. Uh, 
in order to get enough intestines. I guess. I don't know. This it's is very cool. gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but can you imagine just being like, um, what do you think they say? <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, well, they were, you know, to test their voices. What did you think they sang while they were working? Oh, I don't know. Those old-timey songs? I mean, this is a hundred years ago. Right. I mean, there, there weren't really... Right songs per se were there uh, yes. yeah well yes, there were like there folk were. songs and stuff like well, that and, but... and like this is the 20s right mm-hmm. yeah, oh that's true like... so maybe they were singing jazz <laughs> hello my baby hello, hello my darling hello, hello my darling we're, we're, we're gonna leak we're gonna leak we're gonna leak so even when the gas bags were finished they gave off a musty smell i i can imagine yeah it's be, literally that's an animal's intestines yeah. are using for yeah even like leather smells. Of course it does, yeah, because yeah. it's coming from an animal. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, preparing the raw material must have been extremely unpleasant. God, yes. yeah. Both airships carried their passengers inside the airframes. If they had housed them in gondolas below the airframe, oh, okay, that's okay. Mm-hmm. that's also another right. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking in my head. Gotcha. Is a, is a gondola? Yes. But but it's not. It's, it's like, no. It's this is not. Say, this is right? like inside the. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, so if they had housed them in gondolas below the airframe, the area for passengers would have been long and narrow. If the gondola was too wide, passengers moving around the area could cause the airship to become yeah. unstable. Sure, uh-huh. of course. The people involved in building the airships were far more worried about carrying large amounts of petrol than the hydrogen. Hmm. These crafts were intended to fly in hot countries like the Middle East and India. An engine that ran on kerosene and hydrogen was being developed, and diesel engines were an option, but the kerosene motors took too long to sort out, and the diesel engines were too heavy and underpowered. Hmm. So we are on to the capitalist airship. Okay. So the race is on. Yes. So to speak. Hmm. People supporting the capitalist airship claim that capitalism is a much more efficient way of doing things, as the builders have an incentive to keep the, the the build costs low, and if their customers were happy because they had a good product, they would get repeat business. I mean, it's great in theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's no downsides. There's no downsides there to it at all. There you go, perfect. You just build things on the cheap, they work, people buy them, and they're satisfied. End of story. And you're not exploiting anybody in the process. No. I mean, in fact, that's how they taught Reaganomics when I was in high school. There you go. <laughs> like, kids, like 30 years from now... All that money will have trickled down. Yes. We'll all be we'll all be rich. <laughs> How'd that work out for uh, us? Yeah. <laughs> so Barn Barnes Wallace and Neville Shute Norway designed the new airship. I don't know if that's a company or people's names. It I think sounds those like are people. It sounds uh, yeah. I guess it sounds I like British. It sounds like British people. <laughs> well, it is Britain. Barnes Wallace <laughs> and Neville Shute Norway. <laughs> <laughs> I've never met an American named Barnes or Neville. Yeah. Same. <laughs> Probably never will. Bonds. Yeah, Bonds. Bonds. Neville. Neville. Come here, Neville. Maybe we'll name a kid. Uh, oh, an- <laughs> another cat. Yeah, Neville. Neville, Neville and Barnes. Neville and Barnes. <laughs> like Jews and Wooster. <laughs> so Barnes Wallace and Neville Shute Norway designed the new airship. There is a reason that these names may sound familiar to listeners. Okay. Oh, okay. Barnes Wallace went on to design the bouncing bomb used in the Dam Busters raid. He also helped design many other weapons used in the Second World War, including the Wellington Bomber and both the Tallboy and Grand Slam bombs. Huh, okay. Neville Shute Norway is better known for the novels he wrote under his pen name, Neville Shute. Oh. Not much of a the pen name if you're just British, leaving off. British, just leaving off your last. <laughs> well, that's, 
Um, that's how so many people do like their mm-hmm. social media is they just go by their first and middle name. That's how a lot of celebrities have changed their name too. That's true. Um, like yeah. John Stewart is John Stewart something. Yeah, John Stewart Lieberman, I think, is his okay. last name. Um, so Vickers gave the government a quote for building their airship, and it soon became obvious that they had badly underestimated how much work would was involved in the exercise. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> this is gonna. It's not like. It's not like going to fucking. Um, What's the Swedish company, the furniture company? Ikea. Yeah, it's not like going to fucking Ikea. It's like, uh, we need an airship. Here you go. Do you remember, did you ever see the, there was a season of The Amazing Race, and this was years ago by now, but they were, were, I'm pretty sure it was Ikea. I think they were in Sweden. They went to Ikea, and they had two options of tasks, right? I think I did see this one. Yes. One was to count a gigantic container full of like stuffed and they and the other challenge was they had to build to like it, one of the build one of the or yes something. or a table a desk or something something i yeah, do like, remember that yes. one because it was pretty much half and half what people chose yes and they were like kind of equally difficult <laughs> yes. tasks <laughs> so yeah just we'll, we'll go to the ikea tomorrow i'm like uh where's the airship <laughs> you got and oh and we're gonna need uh thirty thousand dead oxen yes <laughs> If you have those, if you have the instructions for those. Right. Don't you... T- it, those places, Ikea's are huge. You, you never they know. Are. There's, there's probably, there's a Gus Fring in, in, in a, an Ikea somewhere. They build, like, drug-safe shelves and, like, you know. There's a super lab under each Ikea. Under one of them, for sure. There's gotta be. So it soon became obvious how badly, um, how badly they underestimated how much work was involved. Right. There was no way they could complete the job without losing money. The company just had to suck it up and do the best that they could. The building that they had purchased for the project was in poor condition after sitting empty for two years, so a lot of money went into repairing the factory itself and making it habitable for the workers before uh, building the ship even began. Well, Well, I mean, at least they at least they did that. Like normally they'd be like. There was no guarantee on that. It was like, yeah, that uh, that garage back there, like Mm -hmm. that'll work. Well, it's like that one wall is falling down. As long as I'm not there when it goes. <laughs> so the uh, to keep, so to keep the cost down, Barnes Wallace designed the airship using as many common parts as possible. Okay. These could be mass produced in their thousands, and he came up with a new airframe design that he later perfected in the Wellington bomber, called the geodesic airframe. Huh. Oh, okay. The Wellington. I, I know what geodesic means. I know that word. It's like um, the at the botanical gardens in St. Louis, the um. The, there's a greenhouse that's a geodesic. It's like oh. they use little tiles that are um, octagonal or something. It, it's very cool looking. But okay. Anyway. That sounds interesting. The Wellington Bomber was well known for being able to take huge amounts of damage and stay airworthy. Huh. Imagine okay. having to design a plane like that. like a, An airship. It's going to get mm-hmm. shot at. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to take flak. Mm-hmm. How do we keep it in the air? Yeah. <laughs> that's, can you? No. Building like, for durability. That's rough. Well, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Well, as, I mean, as you, something that needs to fly, too. <laughs> well, building for something that you know is going to be attacked. Yeah. Like, like you want to build for durability anyway. Sure. Because this thing sure. is going to take multiple voyages. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Durability and that's true. Being able to hold up under attack—that's that's rough. Yeah, both the R100 and the R101 were built out of an aluminum alloy called duraluminum. 
The, the frame of the R100 was braced with wire-like spokes on a wheel, as this was standard practice for building airships at the time. It was also a good way to keep the weight down without compromising the strength. I can kind of see that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I'm not very not very big on physics, but I understand... With the cro- It's like cross beams exactly. or something. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And if you... You can put in enough of them, and they don't have to weigh as much because they're each going to hold up their end of the weight. That's right. The whole... it's, a, it's a distribution of weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at us at, uh, acting like we know what the yeah. we're talking yes. about. <laughs> yes. Distribution of weight, darling. Yes, of course, naturally. So the government was not happy with either airship being powered by petrol engines as the idea of large quantities of gasoline seemed far too dangerous. Oh, well, it's fair. The R100's engines were supposed to use hydrogen and kerosene. These engines couldn't be ready in time, and the diesel engines available were not suitable for the R100. Vickers discussed the problem with the air ministry and got permission to use more powerful, lighter petrol engines that had been reconditioned by a Rolls-Royce. Oh! There were plans to replace the engines with diesels at a later date, but this never happened. Does a Rolls-Royce does just, like, component manufacture, too, right? Because I've heard of, like... Things other than cars having Rolls Royce engines, so like they. Oh make... yeah, I think they still make plane yeah. engines. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what they. Okay. I think that's what they initially started as. Oh okay. Um, before moving on to cars, like mm-hmm. a lot, of, and a lot of companies kind of back at this time, mm-hmm. you know, divvied up like you know they had planes, cars, trucks were starting to become a thing. Planes, trains, automobiles. Yep, except for the train part. <laughs> there's there's a different <laughs> company for that. That's true. There was a lot a lot of magnates for that. Uh, the Duralumin was prone to corrosion when exposed to air, so it needed to be varnished to protect it. Okay. While the R100 had some innovations, it was far more conventional than the R101. Rather than designing some components, Vickers found it cheaper and easier to buy things like gas valves from other manufacturers. They also had the advantage of using proven technology rather than risking the pitfalls of developing something new. Huh. To give the listeners an idea of just how big the R100 was, the three-level area designed to accommodate 100 passengers, including cabins, a kitchen, and bathrooms, took took up less than 5% of the entire volume of the airship. Oh my god. Yeah. It's like a mini apartment building. Basically, in the air. Yeah, in the sky. And then that's only 5%. And with a bigger apparatus around it. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, due to the unrealistic time frame set by the government, work on the R-100 was running behind schedule and the politicians were putting pressure on the builders mm-hmm. to complete the aircraft. Vickers wouldn't be paid in full until the airship was finished. Yeah. The outer layer of cloth covering the airship was sprayed with dope, a lacquer used to waterproof, stiffen, and tighten it. The cloth was laced uh, the, the same way you would lace a shoe to the frame by cords huh. passing through the eyelets. Okay. Strips of cloth cloth were glued over the joints to protect everything from the weather the gas bags needed to be inflated in stages they were filled to 75 percent to be checked for leaks and adjusted into place on the first attempt to inflate the bags one was damaged and a six foot tear needed to be repaired with a needle and thread so these are the intestine bags yes okay while the r100 was undergoing tests in her hangar before she could be launched the graf zeppelin embarked on on a round the world trip they also got news that the R101 had taken her first test flight. Mm. What the Vickers team didn't know was that the R101 was having big problems due to uh-huh. her heavier diesel engines. She only had half the extra lift she needed to carry the pa- any passengers safely. 
Vickers were having trouble uh, with their own engines, and the radiators needed to be modified as the motors kept overheating. Hmm. To make matters worse, experts were starting to suggest that both airships were far too small to provide regular long-distance flights. The R one too small, and these things right. are gigantic. The R one hundred was filled with over five million cubic feet of hydrogen, and the airship was given the registration G FAAV, and these letters were stamped on the tail fins. A temporary permit to fly was issued on the twenty fifth of November, nineteen twenty nine, and was valid for three months. Tests were carried out, and the R one hundred ended up being too heavy. She would still be able to fly, but she wouldn't be able to travel the distance she was expected to fly or carry the number of passengers she was designed to transport. The capitalist airship had cost 440,000 English pounds to build. The problem was that the government had only paid Vickers 300,000 pounds, and the ship took two years longer to build than expected. That's a long time yeah, overdue. Yeah, that's major. The only recorded casualty during the build was... That was to the false teeth of an inspector. He tripped on a ladder and his teeth fell on the concrete floor below. That feels like something that could have happened in multiple situations. Yes. (laughs) General workplace hazard. So on Monday the 16th of December, the airship was pulled out of her hangar and the airship handled perfectly as she circled over New York City. One of the engines developed a water leak and the crew shut the engine down and the airship carried on her test flight. By the 11th of January 1930, the small tweaks needed to fix the few problems during the flight tests were completed. Speed trials were carried out, and the R100 had problems with her outer cover. At high speed, it had a tendency to flap. That doesn't sound good. No, no, no. At first, the problem was easily fixed. The requirements in the contract was for the airship to have a top speed of 70 miles per hour. The engine speed was limited, so the ship wouldn't be able to go any faster than her specifications. Okay. On 27th of January, the R100 started a flight that lasted 54 hours with only a few problems. That's a long flight. It is. The second-hand engines were proving unreliable, and the outer skin was found to be substandard. It had been damaged after a short run at full speed. The engines were replaced with new ones, and the outer skin was repaired. This took two months to do. After another test flight, it was found that the end of the tail had buckled. That's not good. Nope. The tail was repaired and strengthened. <laughs> Very good. good. That's good. <laughs> that's, that's better. Much better. While For these, now, we'll find yeah. out. While these problems seemed bad, the modifications needed by the R101 were far more extensive and the socialist airship was proving difficult to control. So far, the R101 had only been flown in good weather. The R100 hadn't been treated so gently. Some of the airmen had experience on both airships, and all of them considered the R-100 to be far more comfortable and controllable. Hmm. A flight to Canada was planned for the R-100. To make the trip possible, some of the cabins were stripped of their furniture. On Tuesday, the 29th of July, the R-100 headed off to Canada. She had 34.5 tons of petrol on board, and only a few passengers, most of the people on board, were aircrew. Yeah, that makes sense. After flying through a, a thunderstorm, the airship arrived over Montreal on Friday, August the 1st. After a series uh, of flights around Canada, the airship headed back home. This time, she was carrying 60 passengers and 96,000 gallons of petrol. While there had been problems with an engine in the outer skin near the tail had needed repairs, the round trip had gone well, and the crew was happy with the handling of the airship. The trip was considered a success. 
After the Canadian flight, the capitalist airship needed extensive repairs, but the government was focused on getting her sister, the socialist airship, operational. While the team claimed the capitalist airship was a success, the trip to Canada had left a long list of problems and yeah. repairs. I'm sure it did. So now we are on to the socialist airship. Okay. So people supporting the socialist airship claim that socialism is a more efficient way of doing things as the builders can keep the build costs low and quality high because they are building the ship at cost, not cost plus profit. There is no incentive, cut, incentive to cut corners to save money so you could end up with a better outcome. The English Air Minister, Lord Thompson, made the R101 his pet project. If it was successful, he could use it to push for the nationalization of other modes of tra yeah. transportation to increase. Which is a... A big back and forth in British history oh, is yeah. uh, nationalization or lack thereof mm -hmm. of transportation. Yeah, I mean, they just went through it again with the uh, trains, right? I think so. In in the UK? I, I don't recall the most recent I think they are having a back made. and forth with that at the moment. Are Any, they? I think so. I, anyway. I don't. I don't know. Um, so he was strongly opposed to the idea of letting a private company build an airship. He felt that the job should be left to the government. Fortunately for him, his party needed a coalition partner to govern. There was no way that the coalition partner would agree to the cancellation of the R-100 project. He made sure that the R-100 would fly to Canada on its test flight and the R-101 would fly to India as the longer flight was more important and would increase the prestige uh -huh. of the socialist airship. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That's like a um, publicity oh, of, oh, strategy. For this? Oh, Marketing yeah. strategy, yep. Lord Thompson seems to have been an armchair expert. He made claims that the airships could fly in any weather. No, don't do that. He set completely unrealistic goals on how fast the airships could be constructed, and he didn't bother to ask the experts before making any decisions. No, that's well, great. <laughs> great. Thompson. Not exactly the way you want to go about a project, no, no. is it? While the head designer was Richard Crane Richmond, Richmond, Richard Crane Richmond, interesting. The R101 was designed by a committee. A group of people got together, and they all tried to get their ideas incorporated into the new design. As this was a government project, it was seen by some people as an opportunity to test new ways of doing things and make improvements, mm. quote-unquote, mm -hmm. or in quotations, rather, right. to airship design. For example, the R100 used a conventional cable and pulley control system. When they found out that the R101 was going to use servo motors instead, uh. the capitalist team began to doubt their idea, even though it was the same system used on all airships being flown at the time. They didn't realize it was just an attempt to try something new and see if it was an improvement. Because the, of the, because the designers of the R100 were just two people, they resisted the temptation to change their system and stuck to their original design. The airframe on the new airship was unique, Rather than framing rings being riveted together and braced by spokes, the R101 was bolted together and didn't need struts. These nuts and bolts caused problems later as they were more likely to rub on the gas bags, causing holes. Uh-oh. Rivets don't sit as proud and are more rounded. Because the rings had no bracing, they had to be stronger, and this made them heavier than the ones used on the other airships. When Barnes Wallace, the designer of the R100, saw the plans of the R101, he described it as the crudest piece of design he had ever seen. <laughs> the R101 flew for the last flight on October the 14th, 1929. The route of the socialist airship was a political decision. Flying over London meant that lots of voters got to see her, and the politicians yeah. could grab as much glory as possible. Yeah. On Saturday the 23rd of November, R101 was getting ready for a test flight carrying 89 people. 
It had been raining, and the cloth cover of the airship was soaked with water. But I thought weather wasn't yeah, a problem. No big deal. It was obvious to the crew that she needed to lose three and a half tons to stand a chance of doing the flight safely. Oh, so the water was like soaking in. And oh yeah, causing additional weight. Yeah. Because this was just going to be a short flight with a group of politicians to show off the new airship, they were able to help solve the lack of lift by filling the gas bags to ninety-seven percent with hydrogen. Ooh, okay. This was quite dangerous, and if the airship rose too high, the automatic valves would open and the airship wouldn't have enough buoyancy to stay in the air. Oh my god! Um, so everything that could be stripped from the ship was removed, including safety axes, and they even oh, went no. as far as leaving the parachutes behind. No. By running with less water for ballast, and as with as little fuel as possible, the airship was able to complete the flight. Oh wow, um, that could have ended by up that. so badly. <laughs> yeah. The government talks the uh, the flight up as as a success. Well, but I mean, it wasn't a disaster. It was not. Uh, but the people running were worried. If the airship had to be stripped down to the bare minimum, yeah. bare minimum to carry fifty passengers and thirty nine crew members on a short flight, there was no way she would be able to carry one hundred passengers. No way. And enough fuel and water to get all the way to India, even with stops along the way. Yeah, it's not boating well at all. No. The R101 was powered by modified locomotive engines, and they vibrated so badly that they cracked the aluminum propellers. Ooh. Oh. It just sounds like everything is going wrong with these technologies at this time. Well, I mean, for one thing, they're, like, trying to bang them out. It's just kind of a... I mean, there's a, probably a reason we don't use airships very much probably today. Is. It, might <laughs> it be was one. like a transitional technology. True. You know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's like the missing link that we can't find yeah. between humans and apes. <laughs> but we have them with planes. Yeah, they're called, they're so. called airships. Yeah. They could only run at 80% power before they started to cause damage, and even then they needed new wooden blades to cope with the vibration. Yikes. Because the new wooden propellers could not cope with changing from forward to reverse, oh. Oh. one of the engines had to be dedicated to only running in reverse. What?! <laughs> This lowered the top speed of the airship to an airspeed of just 63 miles per hour. Uh, yeah, I could see why. Uh, a Labour MP, uh, member, member of, of Parliament, Parliament, one of the parties in power, pointed out that both airships were too slow to fly in a strong wind and they couldn't carry enough passengers or cargo far enough to be a commercial success. But the two aircraft were now associated with Lauren Thompson and there was no way that he could abandon the project without suffering major political damage. The engineers working on the R101 examined the data collected from the early test flights and concluded that the airframe and engines were too heavy. This meant that she didn't have the lift to carry enough fuel for the trip to India. To make matters worse, tests carried out on the airship's outer cover showed that, even though it was just six months since it had been fitted, it had rotted and needed replacing. Wow. Mm. The normal method of applying uh, dope to the cloth was to lace the cloth to the frame and pull it top before spraying the dope. Okay, I get that. Spraying on the dope so that the cloth could be waterproofed. Okay. Okay. Because this was quite slow, the dope was applied before the cloth was tightened. Uh-oh. As the pre-coated cloth stretched, it left thousands of small yep. cracks that compromised the waterproofing. You can literally picture this. Yes. Just on, like... If you've ever, as a child, painted on a t-shirt, like a <laughs> that's, little Yeah, design, that's right, yep. If it stretches, the paint mm -hmm. stretches out, too, and leaves a bunch of cracks, yeah. So we, we did puffy paint back in the day. Do you remember puffy paint? A little bit, puffy yeah. Puffy paint shirts. Puffy paint. <laughs> to get enough extra buoyancy, the R101 was cut in the middle, and a new center section was added to make the airship longer, 
to make room for an extra gas bag as well. The R101 had designed uh, had been designed with two control systems. One was hydraulic, and the backup system was a series of cables and rods. The aircrew had found that the backup system had no problems controlling the ship, and that the hydraulic system was removed along with anything else that could go to save weight. Needless to say, the announcement that the R101 needed extensive modifications put pressure on Lord Thompson. Mm-hmm. The opposition politicians wanted to know why the Germans had no problems building and flying the uh, Graf Zeppelin, while uh, the R101 needed a rebuild and the R100 was still under construction. Oh dear. Gotta keep up the with Germans. the Germans. The Germans. Yes, in, the, in this case, the Germans. Gotta keep up with the Germans. Yeah, we didn't know what uh, keeping up with the Germans was going to mean in this time. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Good thing nobody else went along. Mm. Rather than admit his folly, Lord Thompson doubled down. Yeah. yeah that's 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 and, always the problem. And suggested the answer was to build a new airship that was one third bigger than two British airships. Okay. Oh, oh wow. Okay, so huge. They're yes. just like we're just gonna build bigger and bigger and bigger. Because of the, yeah, we'll build a bigger one. <laughs> we're gonna need a bigger ship. We're gonna need a bigger boat. Because of the problems both of them were having, the idea didn't get any backers. Uh, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Lord Thompson, so the thing you built doesn't work. So you want to build something that's <laughs> twice as big plus a third. Right. No. Yeah, that's a no, that's a no for me, Tom. That's a no for me. <laughs> yes. The R101 had a tendency to suddenly pitch downward Uh-oh. for no apparent reason. That no, would no, be, no. That would be scary. <laughs> That's not okay. The rebuild was a good opportunity to try and fix the stability. Yeah, this that, that thing, you know. The, pro- it's a, it's a, that it's little, a, that minor thing. It's just a, it's not a bug, it's a feature. <laughs> yeah. You know when it pitches down towards the ground like you're going to fall out of the sky? We need to fix that. <laughs> So the re, uh, so examining the gas bags revealed the small holes, but they were not bad enough to be the cause of the problem. Huh. The holes had been caused by the gas bags chafing on the framework of the ship. This was fixed by applying padding on the metal surfaces. It's just like they keep coming up with like oh, oh well, band-aid well, after band-aid. Yes, exactly. That's yeah, exactly I, what this is. I work in manufacturing, so I'm I'm fucking used to this. <laughs> That's normal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good to know. <laughs> you got to get it working again. <laughs> slap oh, a band-aid man. on there like nothing's gonna fall apart but there are times where it's like uh like can you send a team in here for like a whole day like to just really fix it, like legitimately <laughs> yeah. fix it yeah yeah sometimes that happens <laughs> um the padding created new issues <laughs> it made inspecting the airframe for any oxidation almost impossible and the padding kept moving if the padding got wet it might hold water in and add weight again Wet padding wrapped around metal could also increase oxidation. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, for sure. This was considered so dangerous that the R101 couldn't be issued a certificate of airworthiness. Oh, okay. Man. That's not good. Nope. The engineers suspected that the hydrogen automatic release valves were not working proper- properly and that they were too sensitive. On examination, they found that the valves leaked when they were tilted by 5 degrees. That's not very Ooh, much. Oh, no, that's not. On July the 29th, 1930, work was begun to cut the R101 in half and add an extra airbag. As the airship was cut in half, the hangar was filled with the smell of mold and mildew. Oh no! Two extra rings were added to the house to house the new gas bag needed to increase lifts. The R101 went from 737 feet long to a new length of 777 feet, so 40 40 feet feet longer. 
This wouldn't have been possible due to a conventional airship, but it was quite easy on an airship that had a frame that was built like a Meccano set. The engines were replaced with lighter ones that could be reversed, and the new metal propellers were fitted. When the R-101 was complete, the inspector that examined the airship didn't want to issue the aircraft with a certificate of airworthiness. There were still problems with the outer cloth, there were 9,000 places on the fabric that had been patched, and he found many 9, places 000. that the outer cover ripped at his slightest touch. Oh no. <laughs> That's not what you want from an airship where you touch it and it starts starts ripping. falling apart. <laughs> yep, send it up in the air. Let's yeah, see what sure. let's see what happens. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. It pitches down. Yeah. It does that anyway. Straight down like at a 90 degree <laughs> angle. Things were getting desperate for the Imperial Airship program. While the R101 had been the first to fly, she had spent far too long in the hangar while the problems with her design were fixed. The R100 was airworthy in theory, but it wasn't really able to do the job it was designed to do. I love how it's like, it was in airworthy theory, in theory. In theory, this could, is working. It could get off the ground. <laughs> you know, five feet is still off the ground, right? There you go. The Royal Airship works, and Lord Thompson lobbied his boss. Uh, they claimed that the two airships were experimental so that they should be in a special class and that the inspector oh, was being no. too strict. Oh, no. Like, so you have to lower your standards. Right. Because we're, we're trying. Because we're not good. Because we're, we're, we're new at this. <laughs> so Lord Thompson was the head of the British Air Ministry. The, feral, the failure of the two airships would have been bad for him politically. He intended to make the most of the intended test flight to India by being a passenger on the trip. After much bullying, a certificate of airworthiness oh, was no. issued and test flights could begin again. Oh, no. Something At tells me he's going to re regret uh, yeah. being on this ship. After a short test flight, the R-101 was readied for her test flight to India. There was a reason that the long test flight to India was being rushed. The Imperial Conference, a gathering of Commonwealth leaders, was meeting in London, and Lord Thompson wanted to travel from London to India and back before the assembly finished. Hmm. He felt that this would be a dramatic way to prove his view on airships was valid, which it would be. It would be. It's just looking at optics before you're looking at reality. Yeah. So the fatal flight. Uh-oh. The R-101 departed for India on the 4th of October, 1930, 6.30 in the afternoon, with Lord Thompson and four other passengers on board. There were issues before the flight even started. It's always a good sign. While four engines started easily, it took 20 minutes and eight attempts to get the last engine started. Was it the one running in reverse? <laughs> yeah, right? To get airborne, the crew had to drop off most of the water used for the ballast. Uh -oh. This gave them a dangerously low safety margin for such a long flight. Mm. Dropping water was the quickest and easiest way to gain height. Uh-oh. It was raining outside, and the air turbulence made keeping the airship level difficult. The ship was porpoising up and down as the crew struggled to trim the the level of flight. Ugh. The crew of the R101 had lots of experience flying airships during the First World War and some were beginning to worry. They had never experienced such a rough ride in an airship and they were also aware that the two experimental airships were designed to fly far lower than a naval airship. So people who have literally flown these things in combat are mm -hmm. like this is this, this is, is bad. Mm -hmm. This is worse than what we've experienced in during a in, war. In combat. In a battle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. This didn't give them as much time to react if the aircraft wow. dropped suddenly. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, because they're already flying low. Yeah. One of them had experience in Navy non-rigid blimps and had never had such a rough flight. Oh, wow. One engine needed to be 
shut down when a fuel pressure gauge failed. The engineers started working on the pump in the cramped engine compartment and soon had it fixed. Not, not long after this, another engine started to show low, low oil pressure and needed to be shut down as well. Oh boy. Running on only four engines and such uh. a strong headwind, the R101 had a ground speed of just 20 miles per oh, hour. No. That's not... It took, uh. it took under three hours to repair the motor, and the airship was soon running on all five engines Okay, again. all right. This was just 155 miles into the trip. Oh, no. It's not boating well, obviously. On the 5th of October, while flying over... Yeah, like, if the, if this thing you're flying in is only going 20 miles an hour, you're better just taking, like, a bike. You might as well walk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm just going to yeah. walk That's true, but a bike would work, except for the over-the-ocean part. Yes. That's the trick. That would be true. Mm-hmm. Just really fast, down a hill. <laughs> Get momentum. Keep that and momentum you can just going. Go right over the water. <laughs> yeah, you can just go right across the ocean. No problem. <laughs> On the 5th of October, while flying over France, the R101 suddenly went into a dive. Uh oh. The engines were ordered to slow, and the airship started to level out, but then started to dive, dive again. They dropped a half ton of emergency ballast. Oh, God. The R101 hit the ground nose first. <gasps> Hitting the ground at a speed of under 30 miles per hour, it was quite a gentle collision, and oh. most people survived the impact, oh. but the airship caught on fire. Oh. The fire started in the bow and burned its way at, uh, aft. Mm-hmm. Of the 54 people on board, 48 were trapped in the wreckage and died in the fire. Oh, Jesus. no. So, like, they... The survived four... the crash. Oh, my God. And it was And the were fire. trapped in the... Yeah. Jesus. Ugh. The ignition source of the fire was suspected to be the magnesium flares that the airship carried, but there was no way to prove what had caused the fire. Mm. Lord Thompson died in the inferno. Well, I mean, I guess... uh, Fuck around and find out for him, but it's too bad for all the other people involved. I mean, I'm not saying it's that... I'm glad he died. It's just, you know... No, it's... it's, Like, that's... He was being an asshole. One word, uh, hubris. Yeah, Mm mm-hmm. So an, inqu- in- an inquiry, those are two tough words to say an inqu- together, an, an, an inquiry. inquiry into the accident found that flying in the turbulent air caused the airship to rise and fall by 200 feet as it was flying. Ugh. So yeah, that's quite a bit of... that. Yeah, that's not fun. I bet nobody had a full stomach after that. Right. Like just, oh man. Do you wonder, like, you know when you're in turbulence in a plane, mm-hmm. like what the typical actual... Oh, what your drop Height? is? Yeah, Probably, drop I, is. I think it's a couple hundred I, feet I at least. No I have no idea. But I have no clue. not going to think about it. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> <best>. <laughs> um, So the cloth out the cloth out cover ripped open, exposing the gas bags. Oh, okay. These bags were just two layers of ox intestines thick, and the heavy rain had no problems yeah. piercing the thin bags. Okay. The cause of the fire was thought to be caused by the water used as ballast igniting the water activated navigation flare. Oh, oh, it, okay. their flares mm-hmm. were uh, ignited by water, yes. so because the water was coming. That's crazy. And, oh, wow. While Lord Thompson was a huge ad- advocate for airships, he never bothered to work out what their capabilities and limitations were. I love that. It's like, uh, I'm love a them. big, big a fan. Huge fan. Huge proponent of this. I don't know anything about it, but I'm a huge fan. Like, uh, <laughs> it'd be like, I am so excited for the uh, NFL season to start in two weeks. I just don't know what a first down is. <laughs> How does that work? Well, you see, <laughs> it's very confusing because there are two things that are first downs. <laughs> 
Uh, and for our UK listeners, you you literally might not know what I just said. So <laughs> it, it it's of no consequence. Do not worry. No, they're they're coming around. They're coming around. They they do a couple games there a year now. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um. So he also seemed to suffer from selective deafness when it came to being told things that he didn't want to know. Yeah, a lot of people have that. <laughs> he didn't seem to grasp that even the Germans didn't fly in storms. Uh, because the R-101 was a socialist airship built and owned by the government, Lord Thompson was able to get a certificate of airworthiness yeah. for an airship that still had problems that needed to be fixed. Yeah, that's no good. A single short test flight after cutting the R-101 before heading off on such a major flight was just asking for more problems. When the R-101 team advised that their airship needed more tests before she would be ready for a trip to India, they were told by the government that funding would stop if Lord Thompson's trip didn't go ahead on time. Ooh. The death of the R-101 sealed the fate of the R-100 as she was never allowed to fly again. <laughs> it's just like, no, we're scrapping They're like, yeah, we're not, uh, we're not going to do that again. This is all just a bad idea. Yeah, it's a different ship, but uh, yeah. Close you guys, enough. You guys don't really know what the fuck you're doing either. Mm-hmm. So... After listening to this podcast, you might think that the capitalist airship was a success and the socialist airship was a disaster. The reality is that both were failures. The truth truth is that the R-100 would have struggled just as much as the R-101 flying in such bad weather. Both airships were expected to carry 100 passengers from Britain to India, and neither was able to come close to being able to do this. The capitalist R-100 started with a huge advantage. Barnes Wallace had previous experience designing four other airships. Even so, the capitalist airship wasn't anywhere near capable of doing the job it had been designed to do. Because Vickers quoted too low, it tried cutting costs by using second-hand engines. Mm -hmm. They also ignored the specification about using such flammable fuel. And you also have to remember that this petrol is a new thing at this time. This Mm -hmm. is not, or petroleum, right? (laughs) as we say over here. We say um, yes, but, yeah. But, uh, th- that, I mean, in even fuel fuel to do, the fuel that we put in our cars today isn't even the same. As, no, it's It's no. completely mm-hmm. different, mm-hmm. and it's it only got discovered because it was poisoning people in Ohio because of the runoff from uh, their, their power plant. Because uh, petroleum is a byproduct. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, it kind of got discovered by accident. Huh. Like, they're like, oh, let's, we could try putting this in something. <laughs> Let's just try lighting it on fire. <laughs> so they also ignored the uh, specification about using such flammable fuel. Mm. Uh, it is unlikely that she would have been commercially viable even if she had been used on shorter flights. Unlike the R101, Vickers had no way to fix their lack of carrying capacity. Cutting the airship in half and adding an extra airbag wasn't possible. Because the R101 had crashed, halting the development on the R100, the problems of the capitalist airship were never fully explored. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Richard Crane Richmond <laughs> had no experience designing airships before he started on the R101. Richard Crane Richmond just doesn't sound like somebody who had experience in anything. <laughs> he just doesn't. It seems like he saw the socialist Please, airship. Richie Richmond. Richie Richmond, yes. Uh... Richmond, Richie Richmond, Northman, Richmond, North of Richmond, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) That's that stupid song that everybody's talking about. Oh, I don't think I know that. uh, It seems like he saw the socialist airship as a chance to try new ideas rather than a commercial venture. There's a good chance that the handling problems the aircraft suffered from could have been solved if the politicians had not rushed the team in charge Mm -hmm. of getting her airworthy. They could have saved weight by using gasoline-powered engines that had had that had the added advantage of being more powerful, but because they were a government department, 
this was not an option that they could take. While there is no doubt that politics was the main cause of the R101 crash, it had nothing to do with capitalism versus socialism. Both systems fail to take into account that some people in a position of power are too self-centered to make good decisions. With capitalism, it is the executives that are short-sighted. Politicians and bureaucrats can be just as myopic in a socialist system. To try to fly from England to India in an airship that had been cut in half and lengthened a few weeks before was a political decision. The airship had only one test flight since the rebuild, and the flight had been cut short due to bad weather. It could be argued that the socialist airship did fly again. The, the duraluminum from the wreck of the R101 was recovered oh. and was sold to the Germans. Oh, well. <laughs> and was used to build the Hindenburg. <laughs> and that's... Oh, that was a fun twist. <laughs> was capitalism versus socialism? No. The capitalist airship and the socialist airship. But, um, that's funny. <laughs> that was a funny twist, I Yeah. Think. <laughs> so, like, yeah, that. Like, then there was that. <laughs> we're working on this thing over in Germany. Can, can we, we buy that? Can we get that off of you? Can we get that? <laughs> that just oh, a couple man. years from now is going to be the most famous air disaster ever? Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, really. It's, I yeah. think it is. Mm-hmm. Even more than any airplane, really. I mean, there's been plenty of plane crashes, and there's some, but I, I don't think there's anything as infamous. Not that's in, in, that infamous. lives in infamy, Correct. exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. as the as the Hindenburg. Oh, the humanity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's very. Partly true. because it was being broadcast live on radio when this. When yes. It, when it did yes, go up in big, flames. Big part of it. Yep. But mm-hmm. uh, but still, well, yeah. Uh, what a twist at the end, though. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> that was a good twist. Yeah, it was some irony. Um, I, I do think I would, I would probably parse this out a little differently and to say the commercial airship and the state airship, which I understand calling it capital capitalist versus socialist, Mm -hmm. but it's not to say that one was built under a capitalist system and one was built under a socialist system. Right. They were That's both, not, they, right, they're they're both, both built, built under, under a capitalist, capitalist system. <laughs> yeah. To clarify. <laughs> yeah. um, but I agree that it's not just like, oh, well, if the government does it, it'll be better off than if private industry does I've, it. I've had, I've, There's flaws all over the place with government. Completely I've had understood. that discussion with a coworker of mine who used to be in the army and we've had the... You know, I think most people know our politics at this point. Mm. You're you're far more left than I am. Yes. But uh, mm-hmm. but still, like it's not it's not a this is better than that. It's ju- it's just not that way. It's far too nuanced of a discussion to be like some things work in capitalism better, some things work in social. It's you know the, there's just. Mm, I mean the the tricky thing is what better for who? Well, like, exactly. And better for what? Exactly. You know, and that's so that's the problem. And because in capitalism, we know the better for who and the better for what yeah. is literally the stockholders. Well, and the executives mm-hmm. and the, the CEOs and um, and the shareholders, yes, because that's the, literally the whole point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the problem with capitalism is we are seeing how unsustainable of a system it is. So no system is perfect. Correct. That is absolutely true. Um, Short of like anarchistic peace. (laughs) 
which is a bit of an oxymoron, probably. Say, like, how does that work? You know, just the, the <laughs> idea that we wouldn't need like any and, government. Live and let live? No, the, you, yeah, kind of, that yeah. we all help each other out. But that's utopia, right? I was going like yeah. uh, uh, So the problem is people. People are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but people plus capitalism is horrific, you know. Um, but so I would say... I don't know that I agree it's the people that's the problem, not the system. I would say it's the people and the system that are the well, problem. Well, yeah, it's 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 all of the above, right? Yes. I mean, yes. it's... Mm-hmm. Human beings are very flawed. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's motivations are different for, yeah. the, for the most part. Um, can be. I mean, you can come together as, you know, for a war effort or, you know, to make a company have... Things like that. Yeah. But uh, on an individual basis, like, we all have different... I motivations. Just, I just think some systems are better at bringing out the worst in people, and I think capitalism is a, a very oh, good system sure. for bringing out the worst in people. Yeah, I'll say that. That is for sure. And there are some systems that are maybe a little better. Yeah. But unchecked power in a government system is surely not. It's not good either. <laughs> With Lord Thompson being able yes. to... Not Lord. It wasn't yeah, Lord. It was, was he Lord? Tom- okay. Yeah. Lord Thompson being able to just like do stuff at whim and like, I'm sure he had stuff. a much longer name that involves like seven, 17 words. Probably. But we'll just go with Lord Thompson. Stephen was like, I'm not going to put that in there. Or they're going to like go off topic for another five minutes because he knows us. <laughs> but. but I mean, I think, it, I mean, you really couldn't do air, you couldn't do airships today. Like you really could. Oh, well, what would be the point? Yeah. There's not a purpose for it. But I, I think it would be cool. Just, just to, to have one. one, just like well, they just have blimps. They do. They're not the same. But I would like like somebody to have an airship just so I can go and well, ride. Why I'll don't you go ask Elon Musk? That's true. He would be well, like I could probably just download the blueprints. There's got to be the the blueprints on. I guess build it back here. Where are you gonna get the thirty thousand oxen? <laughs> I don't know. Figure something out. <laughs> Start asking around, hey, where do you source your oxen intestine? Yeah. Uh, have you ever heard of airbags? No, not the ones in cars. No, in, no, the, you know, the guts of yeah. ox. Yeah. You need to pair up with an ox farm. Yeah. You know, you know what? Actually, like, car airbags probably would be the way to go. I would just go to the junkyard and buy up all the, the ones that have been Deployed. used already. Yes, Deployed. Well, I, I don't know that it's a worse idea than the oxen intestine, <laughs> <so>. You know? <laughs> Godspeed. Yeah, I mean, there's all that open, like, where, where that little uh, that little power station is behind us. There's all that There's all that open field. You can build it right there. You know, hopefully, when it lifts off the ground, it won't go directly into the power lines. <laughs> but, you know, you got to test it first. <laughs> You're assuming you'll get a lot farther. Yeah. Oh, you got a, you know, PMA. Positive mental attitude. <laughs> That's, That's right. right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Stephen, for yet yes. another uh, wonderful script. I, like the 10th, something like that. Like, yeah, it, yeah, Stephen's a frequent contributor. Back-to-back uh, frequent con- uh, contributors. That's I, right, I, I yeah. I almost said connoisseurs. Contributing connoisseurs. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, back-to-back. Maybe you'll hear an original script from one of us one of these days. Maybe not. I'm working on one. There Are you? Because you? you said you were. I have ideas. <laughs> we all have ideas. Yes, I have things in my mind. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> oh, it's like the uh, what I was telling you earlier on the 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 Browns player, the guard, uh-huh. when he was talking about Johnny, Johnny Manziel. Manziel. Mm-hmm. He's like people kept telling me like he's exciting. He goes, well, exciting isn't a trait. 
Yeah, yeah, right? For for a skill. He's exciting like, isn't a skill. Well, that's what he said. He said exciting isn't a skill. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. This, uh, how, how is he as a player? He's very it's exciting. exciting. That's, that's not a skill. What do you mean? How do you mean? Uh, does yeah. he get, like, thrown to the ground and, like weird twisty ways because that's somehow, exciting that, that is exciting <laughs> it's not, not for him not for him for everybody else i mean this airship was exciting, was exciting. but that was not good <laughs> no it was exciting until it hit the ground and caught fire yeah and, that, uh, that would be the worst yes that, be like that's okay really like we're good we survived we survived we're all good and then and then no get trapped yeah that's awful and i'm trying to think like but yeah because all that well the the outer cage all must have like buckled in and just when it hit the ground. Oh yeah, like, and from there was, the impact, right? Uh, and there ca- was like caged them in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was just pro- <sighs> and then the fire probably happened pretty fast too. So I just hope it happened pretty fast. Yeah. So that well, anyway, was. <laughs> we'll leave it off with Johnny Manziel instead. There we go. <laughs> Another disaster. <laughs> True, we could do that. That would technically be. We could technically do that. That was The Capitalist Airship and The Socialist Airship, uh, script by Stephen. And this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm Rachel. I'm David. We'll see you next week. Bye.